Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. It is Thursday, May 20th, and this is Michael, and I'm, I'm flying solo today. Robin, uh, Robin did a show yesterday, and I couldn't join her this for that show, and she is busy with uh, with a with uh, employee issues today, so I'm on my own with our guest. Our guest today is Karen Kenny. Karen is the CEO of Evolve Leadership. Karen, welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you today? Thank you, Michael. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. It, I live in Florida, and people hear the same kind of intro. I live in Florida, and today is warm, which is always true in Florida, but it's super windy, so it's it's a little bit of a weird sort of weather day which is always my intro. I don't know why, but I always do that. And, and, but it's good. It's, it's sunny and warm and, and all is well, uh, despite, you know, COVID and every, all the other stuff. It's going okay. How about you? Sure. Where are you at? I am actually outside of Boston, and it's absolutely beautiful today. And I actually spent a lot of time going back and forth to Florida. I used to be with the Human Performance Institute. And mm-hmm. um so I know the, the different weather patterns and all that, but um, I, I miss being down there for a while, but really grateful for the good weather we're having right now when we have the seasons. It's spring and summer is so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah. New England in the summer um, is a wonderful place. I've, I've been to n- numerous spots up there on vacation and really enjoy it. I've been there a few times in the winter Less less exciting. <laughs> I'll just leave it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's yep, a reason I'm in Florida. So. <laughs> that's why we want to be there then. Yes. Well, great. Thanks exactly. for having me. So, well, you're you're welcome. Thanks a lot. Um, I was intrigued by your uh, by the topic that was kind of a, a lead-in idea. So I think what we're going to talk about today, just at a, at a general level, is the, the you know the ne- the necessity that's being driven you know by a, a variety of reasons. Uh, but but particularly for diversity and inclusion, to put more focus on promoting women and people of color into the C-suite. Um, you have some interesting observations to share on that. And the one that um, I think just to kind of get started, um, once once I ask, once I kind of tee this up, the thing that got me fascinated to talk to you was the fact that you said that CE, women CEOs are 45% more likely to be fired than their male counterparts. And I was like, wow, that's a, you know, that's a big number. So we'll get into the reasons why that's true or in a minute. But before, before we do that, why don't you go ahead for the benefit of our listeners and tell us about Karen Kenny and Evolve Leadership, what, who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, as you mentioned, I, I lead Evolve Leadership, which we're a group of C-suite executive coaches, Malhoun executive coach. Um, physiologists, dietitians, and other leadership and human performance experts that create customized C-suite development and well-being programs that really extend beyond traditional models and include a focus on areas like physical well-being, mental and emotional resilience, and emotional intelligence, um, judgment and decision-making, and a very big emphasis on character-centered leadership. And really, we Mm -hmm. did this out of recognition that businesses, technology, and society have evolved at lightning speed. And then, obviously, the past year has just exacerbated that. But we failed to evolve leaders to be successful in this changing environment. So as someone who has worked with CEOs most of my career, has been a CEO, I'm a CEO again, 
Um, I'm married to a CEO, and I coach them, um, recognize that we're not supporting them. We're not preparing them enough for the roles, but we're also not supporting them enough in the roles. And um, I think we can all do a better job of that. Yeah, it's, I mean, one of the things that seems to be true, and this is another, I think I was looking to try to find this, um, like, so the society we live in, like, whether sports is probably the best analogy, like, it used to be that you could be a coach and you got a chance to build a team, especially if you're, like, college football or something, or a pro coach, you know, you got five years to build a team. Now, it's like, win now or you're out. And I think that yep. translates over into the business world in a, you know, like almost 100% way. CEOs are no longer kind of a, they're not like, a, it's not like a 20-year career anymore. And it doesn't really matter if you're in a publicly traded company or not. It seems like there's, it's, everything is win now, succeed now. And so the, so beyond the 45% female more likely to fire, the other stat that I saw was two out of five CEOs fail in the first 18 months. So why don't we yep. start out with, looking at those, you know, let's look at what causes some of the failure um, for those two statistics specifically, and then maybe more generally, and then we'll kind of delve into to your, you know, how do you provide better leadership and some of the things to help avoid some of those issues. Okay. Sure. Well, I think, I think you're right. Talking about failure in, gen, in general, um, dismissals are continue to excel at, you know, rates faster than ever before. Um Obviously, there's, there's well-known reasons. There's more expectations and scrutiny, as you just alluded to. There's less patience on the part of, of boards and others. They want to see fast returns. Um, but the, the role has changed so significantly. So CEOs now need to be all things to all people. There's greater scope of responsibility. There is lack of awareness of the significant, significant step change. So oftentimes, people are moved quickly into role. Um, before they've really been prepared for it. And even if they've been groomed for it, you are not aware of that step change that suddenly it's, it's very lonely at the top. The people that were your peers mm. and your friends are now your direct reports. So you can't share that same relationship and you can't share your vulnerability. So there's that piece. There's a lack of preparation and what is involved and how you need to, you know, all of a sudden you're, the, you're it. The decision maker, all eyes on you. One slip in social media and anything you do in public that you say uh, for a much more critical and demanding audience uh, has a, a significant repercussion. And then ethical mm-hmm. decisions and behavior. I mean, we've seen that just continue to increase, but I don't know if you're aware, but dismissals for ethical decisions and behavior for the first time in history have exceeded those for financial performance or board struggles. So that's a huge issue. And and oftentimes it's feeling that pressure, people that we've regarded as highly character-based leaders, right? We're not going to put someone in a role if we don't think they can handle it and if they can lead effectively. But we don't know, as, as Jim Lear would say, he was the co-founder of the Institute, which I was trained in and um, originated in sports, as you said, you, the same approach we take to, to elite athletes. But you, you don't know someone's character until it's put under intense pressure, and that's not the time to find out. But that's usually where someone may slip, and that can take down a, a person, and their company, their family. Uh, the loss is significant. And then certainly just burnout, where it's prevalent everywhere. Um, it's 
prevalent at the top of the organization, and this past year has just made it even more challenging. So that's some of the reasons yeah. I think we're seeing those dismissals. Is and it's not that there wasn't there weren't character flaws and challenges before, but but there's no patience for it. People are calling it out and and moving people out quickly, for one of those many reasons. So I was I was not aware that uh, as you said ethical. Um, I mean I. I was not aware of that that statistic or that fact, whatever you whatever you want to call it. Um, it I, I I guess as I as I was sitting here listening to you and thinking about that, I, it doesn't seem as if like in the news these days there's you know there's a lot a lot more discussion about things that used to be somewhat swept under the rug in in the past. Mm-hmm. I think when it came to the C suite, so there's a lot more discussion about people having you know, inappropriate affairs or inappropriate contact. And I did a, I did a presentation to an organization a couple of weeks ago and I can't remember the the guy's name, but it was a, C, a CEO of a smaller software company, I think is what it was in, in Nashville, who uh, got involved in a discussion with a, a couple of uh, gay kids that were at their prom, including one young man who was wearing a red dress and, you know, he called him some homophobic terms and, you know, it was, it was videoed and, you know, who knows what all transpired for real, but the, the end result was that CEO was let go like the next day because of his, because yeah. he was caught on video in a bad moment, you know, and, and the context, you know, there were different stories and all that kind of stuff, but the company just said, we're not dealing with this, I think. And is that, is that, I mean, is a lot of, is, is the ethical stuff, is it, is it that there's more focus by companies on doing the right thing? Or is it more that there's more risk of getting caught and thus a shorter leash, or is it, is it is it something else, or maybe a little bit of a bunch of things? I'm curious as to how you see that, why that trend is developing that way. Yeah, I think it's both. So certainly the Me Too movement caused a lot of um, visibility around that, right? And, and people started right. opening up and talking about it. I think companies are not tolerant, but it's also because all of your stakeholders are demanding something to happen to so you, right? In the past, things were swept under the rug and, and employees didn't speak out because they were afraid that they'd lose their roles. But now there is scrutiny, visibility. You've got the cell phone, right? Look at how much the cell phone has captured, you know, audio mm-hmm. or video of, of people doing things that it's harder to dispute, not that things can't be altered, but, um, but your employees are demanding it. Now employees are standing up and saying, we, you know, we want to see that change. Your consumers, your customers, they're going to stop buying from you. That didn't happen in the past. It was you were brand loyal. Now you look to a company to say, what are, you know, what are their values? So this whole focus on values-based leadership and, and what is the value of the CEO who sets the tone for the organization? So yes, they remove the person quickly because that's that the organization won't tolerate it, but because all of the stakeholders that are important to the organization demand that they do something about it. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, so let's let's talk about the the women leaders and CEOs that are being terminated more quickly than men, which is is an, is not a good trend, I guess. Um, what what drives that, and 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 what like what 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 can we do about that? Yeah, so when when the business is doing poorly, the dismissal rate is equal among women and men. So if you're a CEO and the business isn't doing well, you're going to be removed at about the same rate. What um and this some of the this was there was a 
study published by University of Alabama with others um, published in the Journal of Management that did show gender disparity in CEO dismissals, really focusing on when a company is doing well. So, um, and, and, and basically they're saying, first of all, women are often promoted to a CEO role when a company is going through crisis. We've seen that with a lot of women leaders. You think about Xerox mm-hmm. and, and Mulcahy when they were $17 billion in debt and I think being investigated by the CC, um, you know, GM, <laughs> not, not Mary Barra. Not in the first place, right? Yeah. yeah. So in general, it's interesting because often when a company is not doing well, going through some sort of a crisis, they'll bring in a, a woman or especially, or you know, a, a minority. And part of it is um, – with the on the women front is they're believed to be good at handling crisis, managing complexity, um, also more willing to take a risk. Um, and, and mm. you know, often a male might not take that position, a successful male CEO saying, why would I take that? Why would, why would I want to put my, my own career at risk for that? And in some ways, women may take the role, A, because they're willing to take the risk, or B, maybe it's the way in if they wanted to reach that CEO position. But regardless, you often see them going in in times of crisis, so not necessarily setting them up for success. But the more interesting phenomenon, I think, is what this study showed, and others are starting to report it, that women are dismissed at a higher level when a company is performing well. And what they've discovered is that the higher they climb on the corporate ladder, the more biases they face. You know, there's challenges and stereotypes that they face from the board and investors. And it, um, I think there was a, a study by Corn Ferry, too, that showed boards had less confidence in women leaders, especially when investors come in. Um, they tend to challenge women more. They expect more. Um, so they're dismissing them for equally poor performance and because they don't believe they can sustain that performance in the long term. And so there, there were a couple of conceptual frameworks that I had read about. One is called this token theory, where they're saying minorities experience um, more visibility and scrutiny, kind of exaggerated stereotypes, um, and, you know, who are put into the role. So it's almost like they're dissecting them a little bit more and watching them a little more carefully. And then the other was called the role congruity theory, theory, which talks about cultural stereotype being associated with leadership, where, um, masculinity is more associated with male with success and and mm. and in leadership and so these biases i think are what is primarily contributing to it and you can even see if you look at investor reactions to announcements of ceos of female ceo appointments they tend to be more unfavorable and skeptical and so mm. that i think is the biggest challenge area Again, it's interesting. Yeah, it does. And as I'm thinking about it, like some of the CEOs, and I can't remember the the young woman's woman's name that was at Yahoo, but, you know, you had Carly Fiorina and Meg Whitman and Mary Barra and and others. You know, there are less positions, but you're right. A lot of those were were kind of in the the moment when the company wasn't doing well at all, especially at GM. Um, She has done quite well, though. It turned the CEO of GM done quite well, turned it around, and has has really done, and had a had an HR background. So that that was interesting. Um, Let's pivot. Marissa Nair. Yeah, yeah. and let's talk about um, like when you when you start working with a CEO in the coaching role, 
Um, what, what are some of the challenges and themes or issues, I guess, that you hear about from leaders? I mean, I think you may have touched on some of them, but like, how do you try to help a CEO with coaching and what do you talk to them about? Yeah. In, in terms of challenges, certainly the pandemic, right? Remote work, mm-hmm. employee mm-hmm. mental health and safety. Now we're in the, you know, how do you return to work? Do you return to work? New models and ways of working. So that's been certainly the most recent challenge. DE&I is another one. Meeting demands for greater diversity and you know, equality is, is important across the board. Um, and employee retention, because now companies are poaching from other companies, especially yep. looking for the diverse leaders, uh, women of color. Stress and burnout is a huge issue. Um, you know, that's at every level in organization, but certainly with someone moving into this role. And also what we're seeing is a lot of women and, you know, CEOs, especially being fast-tracked into these roles because of the demands for greater equity and diversity and equality. And, you know, that's great that we're putting women in these roles, but you need to prepare them, then you need to provide them with greater support um, because then we they it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to those who do have the biases to say, look, we put this person in a role and they failed. Well, what did you do to help them when you fast-track them or, you know, how did you surround them? You know, how did you support them versus, you know, why are you moving quickly to look at removing them? But agility and resilience is certainly a big area, too, for leaders mm-hmm. themselves and for their teams. You know, how do you pivot? How do you lead to uncertainty? We're now, this is, we're entering into a new way of leading and working, but this is just going to be constant change. It's not, people talk about this new normal. There is no new normal. There is a constant change, you know? So how do you evolve yourself? So for us, I mean, we work at the top with the C-suite and our approach is really on those extended capabilities that I mentioned earlier is recognizing the link between physical well-being and your ability to lead. If you're not sleeping, Mm -hmm. if you're, not exercising, if you're managing heavy loads, they're trying to manage heavily loads of stress at work and at home. So that's a key area of focus. And purpose is, a, is really our foundational piece that we focus on with leaders, and it's personal purpose because so many people and organizations are now talking about organizational purpose, which is great. You're, you should have a purpose-driven organization. We know the data shows they will succeed, but the leaders need to start with their personal purpose. And what I'm seeing with leaders we work with is that often gets, either they don't have a strong connection to or idea of what that personal purpose is, or it's been pushed aside for the good of the company and others. And um, if you don't have clarity and a measurable purpose, then, um, you know, that's, that's where I see a lot of struggle. The other is, these leaders have worked so hard to get to where they are that there's, they're often sacrificing something that's really important to them. So where you see higher levels of maybe divorce or drinking or just less engagement with family. Or I've had mm. leaders at the C-suite who say, you know what, I've worked so hard to get to this role. I'm now at the top role and I feel empty. So it's about getting them grounded in their personal purpose managing their energy, enhancing their physical well-being so they can activate that, aligning it with their company purpose, and then building that resilience that they can, you know, not just survive but thrive in their roles, but many of them are just treading water and just waiting to see. It's just reactive, waiting to see what happens next. And to your point about worried about what they say and do, 
But the other key areas is character. And, you know, as we just talked about, it's the number one reason for dismissal. But it, people don't realize that you can actually build character. You can strengthen it. It's a muscle that you can build. And it's really about getting them to focus on the legacy that they want to leave so they don't feel that emptiness or they don't feel like I made it to the top of the mountain and the top of the company, but the rest of my life is in shambles or I've sacrificed so much of myself or my relationships. So that's where we tend to focus. Interesting. Um, one specific question out of the skill sets you mentioned is the, the judgment. Um, and it, it, it seems to me it goes hand in hand with character. So if you can build character, can you build judgment, especially at that seat? Because every, every decision is potentially super important, right? So how, how, do you, how do you build that muscle? Super important and super fast because, like you said, there's, there's no patience, right? People need to move quickly. And, and you're often acting in the moment, whether you're in the room with a group of people or, um, you know, on camera, wherever it is. So the idea is understanding where your judgment comes from, getting more connected to your values. Um, what do you tap into for a basis for decision you know, that you need to make. What are your values? How does that align with the company values? And oftentimes our decisions are made out of um, fear or out of vulnerability or we make choices that we have excuses for. So um, I did Mm -hmm. it because I had to. I did it to save the company. I did it to save my family. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is doing it. I didn't think it was a big deal. We have so many excuses uh, in our in our uh, pocket to be used for that just explain away decisions and behavior. And many of these we've we've learned over time. You know, small things, cheating on an expense report, or just little things that we don't think are important, but that you tend to become numb to your decisions and your values. So it is learning about what you tap into from a value standpoint. It is becoming more confident in your decision making as a result of it. And it is about building the, you know, making sure that you are in a mindset and you have that, it's not just a frame of reference, but that you have honed in in your other areas of of potential vulnerability so that you feel more confident in that decision making. We also have people go through a a personal credo building exercise, and that's really about defining the the legacy that you want to leave and how others are experiencing you and then taking that and building kind of a code of ethics and values for yourself. But it is about, we talk about character. There's really two domains. There's your performance character, which is your ability to be decisive and take risks and um, make these, these decisions very quickly. That's important to be a leader. You have to be able to do that. But then balancing that with the moral and ethical components of character around um, humility and kindness and caring and compassion and empathy so that you have that balance and can make the best decision for the people that you're responsible for leading. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, 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 it does. Um, it's interesting. Um, we have about, just so you know, we have about six and a half minutes left. So these, these shows go okay. by really fast. Um, I was, I was, the, last week, I think it was, uh, some, there was an article appeared somewhere that described uh, the, the ultimate CEO. I mean, he's not the ultimate CEO, but sort of the ultimate CEO position and the person that occupies the chair right now, which is Joe Biden. And they said he's, uh, he's super detailed. 
he wants to hear all these different opinions, but he has a really short temper if he can't answer. Like he he wants you to know what you're talking about, he, but he'll listen to everybody, and he'll, he'll he wants to get stuff done. So like he's, but he's he's got hum, humility and all that sort of stuff. So he he's sort of like, you know, seems like a CEO that would be in a in a private company as well, right? They have a they have people beneath them, a team of of support. Um, surely CEOs have to li- listen and do all those sorts of things. Um, so I want to I want you to talk to me a little bit about that, how they listen to their teams and how maybe they should approach that situation. But also then, it, you know, you said it's lonely at the top. So like, where do they go from mentoring and support and, and who, who are they accountable to? So let's kind of try to talk about those two things to close out. Okay. Sure. So the first one um, is really about being purpose oriented. And I think that Again, you, we all have to start with our personal purpose and, and making sure that it should be in service of others. And, and you want a CEO or an athlete or anyone to be in service of that. If you're going for the gold or the, the you know, brass ring and it's just about you and achieving something, you are going to be empty. Um, but then it's about, you know, you talked about your team. It's about team purpose and company purpose. And if you're rooted in that, and, and yes, you have to have those, what we described as for, for um, for Joe Biden, but you 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 have to be rooted in a purpose and a mission, and everyone has to be playing for the same thing. So as a leader, you do need to listen to your teams. You do need to have that input because you don't have all the answers yourself. So a great leader knows how knows how to build a great team, knows how to engage his or her team, and and listen to them. But you also want to have that established team purpose. What are we going for and how do we measure for getting there? And then the, the organizational purpose. Uh, and in terms of Joe Biden, you know, his purpose should be, I don't know what his personal purpose is, but right. you know, his, his purpose should be supporting the country, right? And, and creating mm-hmm. a, a great and safe place for people to, to live um, and thrive. So with regard to it being lonely at the top, Everyone has different agendas and you get to the top and you might have people who are interested in your role, who are maybe not giving you the best advice, or you might be going to have things going on at home. Maybe you're having some relationship issues. Maybe you have a child with a a mental health issue. Maybe you're having some personal struggles or health struggles, but you don't want the board to know because they might see you as vulnerable. Um, you might not want people on your team to know because they might want to be the next one in your role. So um, mm. you want to come across, and Joe Biden as well, is, right, the president of the United States does not want anyone to know that he or she is vulnerable. They want mm-hmm. people to have confidence in them. So they will often, A, hide things or dismiss things not thinking they're important, not recognizing they're important, not recognizing the impact that one thing might have on the other. If you are struggling at home, it's going to come out at some point at work. If you are struggling at work, it's going to have an impact at home on your relationships, on your ability to be present. So it's not about having that. I think it's important that leaders have coaches. Um, it's, that's been in place for a long time. But there's no one coach do it for you. It is about having, or we believe it's about having a team of coaches, which is why we take someone and surround them with a team. It is a, a C-suite coach who knows what you're going through, who understands the role, but it's also about someone helping you with your well-being, with your resilience. We put people through a health assessment. You know, maybe Oscar Munoz, who is, you know, the CEO of 
United mm-hmm. might not have had that massive heart attack if he had had a health screening. I don't know. The point is that when people go through a, a comprehensive health exam, we always find something that, that could have derailed them later. You know, certainly mm-hmm. impacts your work. It, it impacts the, the financial impact to the company is huge, but more importantly, the individual. So the idea is having a team of coaches, if you will, an integrated team that works together, that has your best interest in mind, that keeps it completely confidential so that you can disclose anything, discover vulnerabilities and address them and be that person and the leader that you want to be. So obviously I believe very strongly in that approach, but we've seen, you know, that it works. But it's not one person. um, It's a team. Great. We're going to have to we're going to have to leave it that be the last response to a question except for this. Um, we're we're got about a minute and fifteen seconds left. So uh, first of all, thanks for being our guest today. Very interesting discussion. Appreciate having you on. Um, and uh, for folks that may be interested in connecting with you to learn more about what you do or ask you a question, why don't you sh- why don't you share uh, email, website, social media, any contacts you might want to put out there for our listeners. Sure, and thank you, Michael. I love this show. It's been great. always learn something, so really appreciate you having me. Uh, to reach me, people can either uh, reach me on LinkedIn. It's Karen with a C, C-A-R-E-N, Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y. Um, also, they can go to the Evolve Leadership website, evolveleadership.com. And, uh, again, really appreciate you having me today. Likewise, I appreciate it. I found it very interesting, and I'm going to go ahead and with 20 seconds left, I'm going to go ahead and wish you a good day, Karen, and we will uh, talk to our listeners again sometime next week. Thanks for being on Drive Through HR. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Michael. Bye. Bye.